1: this is mornings with radio maria thank you for joining us today today we are bringing to you your monthly edition of all things coming up and projects by a to the church in need this morning we have our dear friend john pontifex on the radio to share with you more good morning john
2: Good morning, Helena. How are you today?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I am. It's a Monday. The weather is getting warmer here in England, and it's beautiful. But that means the weather must be getting warmer—a bit too warm in some places that you guys support, aid to the church in need. Before, before you share that, sorry. Let's let's rewind. Just for those uh, my friends that are listening, that. May have never heard of Aid to the Church in Need. Could you give us just a little snippet of all the good work you guys do?
2: Thank you for the opportunity, Helena, for so doing. Um, The Aid to the Church in Need is a Catholic charity, as many of your listeners will know, which supports uh, those who are suffering and those who are in pastoral need. So these are uh, the Catholic faithful around the world. We operate in 140 countries and every year we fulfill uh, about 5,000 projects. So this is anything from uh, rebuilding churches to training seminarians, providing child's bibles, uh, supporting catechetical products, be they uh, child's bibles, be they little catechisms, um, and we're also supporting Christians uh, who are escaping from persecution by providing uh, emergency relief and by providing pastoral care in situations of sanctuary so we've been doing that uh, since 1947 and the work could not be more important than it is today
1: amen amen all right so you said you you work in different countries can you share with us uh, your recent campaign is what you, the term you guys use i like that campaign to support our brothers and sisters around the world what you guys working on now
2: well, at the current time, we're building up to a, a very important day which will be the 5th of June uh, of this year, uh, which is when we will be uh, presenting our petition on Nigeria. So on the 5th of June 2022, uh, a Pentecost Sunday Mass at St. Francis Xavier Church in Owo in southwest Nigeria was interrupted when uh, militants targeted the faithful as they were praying, as they were celebrating mass. And at the end of a a, a whole volley of uh, shots being fired and bombs being thrown, uh, 41 people lay dead and more than 70 injured. And almost a year on from that atrocity, no one has been charged, even though This was something that took place in broad daylight. This was something that was seen by many, many people in the church and outside. And yet uh, the bishops, the priests, those present on the day have still not been uh, given any opportunity to find justice. So we've been organising this petition, which has been calling on the UK government to lobby their Nigerian counterparts to bring are those responsible to justice, to, to do more to bring them to justice. So we had with us last November, Bishop Jude Aragondade, the uh, remarkable uh, Bishop of Wondo, which covers uh, Owo. And he spoke very clearly in the House of Lords at an event that we organised and chaired by Baroness Caroline Cox. And in that meeting, uh, he he really did call on people to support our petition. And we have been uh, working very, very hard to secure as many signatories as we can. So we've got thousands of them. And uh, the D-Day will come uh, on the 5th of June when we present this particular petition. Uh, And we have been able to announce now that Fiona Bruce, our dear friend, the Prime Minister's special envoy uh, for freedom of religion or belief, she has kindly consented to be uh, the individual receiving the petition on behalf of the government. And she it was who spoke uh, in Parliament the very next day following the atrocity. She called on uh, the Foreign Secretary speaking in in Parliament in Westminster, she called on the the, the, uh, Foreign Secretary to give their assessment as a government in terms of what to do in response to this atrocity. And um, we, in the meantime, have been acting in very positive ways in terms of projects. So in OWO, we have been helping uh, with repairs to buildings that were damaged in that Terrible massacre, as we should rightly call it. And in addition to that, we have been uh, providing trauma counseling. And through those means, we have been able to reach the various survivors of the atrocity. And I've had uh, many opportunities now to speak to Margaret Attar. She is um, exactly my age, in fact, and uh, she was in the choir loft. Uh, at the point that this particular atrocity took place there. She was singing in the choir and the bomb uh, or the commotion gets underway. She runs downstairs from the gallery, from the organ loft. And little does she know, but she's walking straight to her, de- to her almost certain injury, very serious injury, and a blast goes off. And when she... Um, Becomes conscious, she finds she has lost both legs and sight in one eye. So uh, she has been leading our call for justice. She is being supported by her four children, by her husband, and um, she is one of those with whom we have worked very closely on this petition. And um, we're looking forward to the 5th of June. There's still time to sign the petition if you haven't done so already. So uh, the official deadline is the 31st of May. And so uh, if you want to to sign the petition, go to our website, www.acnuk.org, and there you will find our petition. And please do sign it. We need as many signatures as we can. It's a sign of our solidarity with our suffering brothers and sisters in Nigeria. And it's also an indication of our commitment to secure justice for those who've been denied it. And we were speaking to Father Matthew, the parish priest uh, in uh, St. Francis Xavier Owo, and he was making the point in the video recording that we had and which we shared with our benefactors last Friday, he was making the point that until Uh, the individuals responsible are brought to justice, how can people feel safe returning to church there at St. Francis Xavier Owo? So as we approach the great feast of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we pray uh, that that spirit of justice may once again return to the people of uh, St. Francis Xavier Owo and that they may indeed be able to find peace and justice in their own time.
1: No, oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm looking right now online at the acnuk.org for the Nigeria Appeal. And there is a picture of, oh, who's now close to my heart, Margaret, a before and after picture. And there's also yes, a video right, yeah. you've got of uh, Bishop Jude. So, oh, dear goodness, I'm looking forward to listening to that as well. Can uh, I... Yes. John, does that mean this Pentecost, have they been able to rebuild the church or is it still in rubble or what what's the update on the church itself
2: it's pretty much rebuilt oh, okay, um good. Uh, the damage wasn't very considerable but uh, there were explosives thrown as well as got, uh, shots fired so what that means is that uh, they had uh, a job to do to uh, do a lot of repairs to the masonry to the plaster work uh, and to the interior fixtures and fittings all of that needed to be dealt with and um The bishop, Bishop Jude, has been very clear about the need to to move quickly with that as a sign of uh, commitment to the Mm -hmm. people and to be clear that they're not going to let this uh, in a way discourage them in worshipping, in celebrating the, the reality of Christ present in the mass that that is so crucial to our faith so uh, he wanted to make it clear from the outset that they they were not going to be in any way um discouraged or 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 slow in returning to where they were in terms of building that church back up to yes. where it was before all of this happened.
1: Yes, 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 Bishop Jude, yes. I love the idea, not the idea, I love that one of the ways you're supporting uh, Margaret and those people is through trauma counselling. And this is something that is, uh, some people, even in our own country, might think, oh, counselling, da, da, da oh, that's a... But by bringing it through the church, through aid to the church in need... And providing it in this space, and also, uh, is one way that though that people can feel ah, I can trust this. I, I, this is okay. This is something I can go with. Also, by bringing it through aid to the church in need, you've got a, a sense of that working through the trauma with these counselors and folks that they can reconnect uh, those mind fibers. <laughs> it's newer, it's neurological, but also by connecting them together, also in with mercy and grace and a prayer from God. So that is a beautiful, beautiful way to support them.
2: It is. And um, please be assured that our counselling programmes are very Christian-centric. So they draw on uh, our own traditions of faith and of practice and of healing um, through our spiritual awareness and through uh, the the teachings of the church. So um, this we know to be hugely, hugely important uh, for people to be able to to walk through consciously uh, their their experience of suffering and to find a way through to the other side. It takes a long time. And uh, the families, um, there's so many people who've been traumatized, um, but who need to go through that process of speaking, of sharing, Of healing. And um, we know that this is a critical part of our work.
1: All right, let's step aside because one of the last times I had you on, John, I remember talking and hearing from you about the quick again the quick response that it needs to be done now that Age of the church in need was able to provide for those in the syria and lebanon in those those earthquakes that happened because Age of the church in need was already feet on the ground already had those connections with the communities out there you were able to really not john you were but the whole group was able to support how has that been going is there uh is there new initiatives how is that going
2: well, thank you, Helena, for giving us a chance just to give a, a little update on on the, that work. Because uh, I was in Syria uh, just before all uh, the, the the pandemic, and I saw for myself the situation of all of those who've been living under years of conflict. And it's worth stressing this, because it was because of that that um, it was so difficult for the people to respond. They were already on their knees, now they're on the on the ground completely. And the silver lining with that was, of course, that aid to the church in need was already present because of our work over those 10 years, particularly since the war started in 2011. And we have been working flat out since the earthquake. And we've just sent out a mailing instantly to our benefactors. And one of the objectives of the mailings is to is indeed to provide uh, a, an update on what we've been doing. So um, we've heard from uh, our contact person on the ground, our, our project officer based in the region, based in Syria and Lebanon, uh, Xavier Bizitz, and he was able to report directly from um, Aleppo, and from Latakia, and he indeed appeared or, or if you, so far as you can appear on radio, he appeared on Radio Four uh, a Sunday program talking about the situation based in uh, as it was at that point in Latakia so we 've been providing uh, emergency help uh, through rooted specifically through the church, and for example we 've been helping uh, the repair of two hundred and fifty homes hit by the earthquakes. Um, and we've been providing um, the church with the means by which to open their doors for people who, uh, who really can't feel safe in their own homes because of aftershocks, because of structural damage. So uh, many church buildings have been opened up. And of course, there's all the food, there's all the medicine support there's all the the other help and of course the pastoral help which is so important at a time of crisis people need the consolation of their faith we all need the consolation of our faith but especially in times of crisis so um, one of the things that really struck me was when Xavier said um, and I quote him saying this and it always stayed with me when he said it, the church is often the only source of help for Christians who who say they are not helped by the UN or other international NGOs. So um, very often the Christians have felt slightly overlooked um, and we are there to to provide for that gap, to fill that gap. And that goes alongside our our pre-existing help at a time of continued um, persecution and the aftermath of that uh, still deeply, deeply felt and this was something I experienced when I was there. Uh, I went four years running from twenty sixteen onwards and i it, it scars you for life to see how it is uh, that people can wreak such uh, hatred against people of Christian faith to desecrate their shrines to 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 kill uh, to maim uh, uh, and to threaten people uh, because of their christian faith and this This help that we're providing many of your listeners will perhaps have come across our great project partner, sister Annie demargin um and she's been so active in Aleppo in Malula <clears throat> in Damascus, providing uh, particularly uh, pastoral support so that all all of that is so important at this
1: time oh it's such it, it, it's always a bit. It feels a bit of a downer, John, <laughs> whenever you come on because you're thinking, ah, but it also you bring such hope that you have already through years before, before you even reach uh, church, age of the church in me, John, that this organization, this charity has been reaching out with the love of God, the love of Jesus to our neighbors, to our friends and bringing uh, hope, hope, uh, support, be it physical, be it food. Be it uh prayers to people around the world, to our fellow uh members, Christians of our body of Christ. And that's so I always it's like a roller coaster talking to you, John. It's like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. But yes, 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 yes. And one of the other uh, positive, uh, hopeful stories is the support aid to the church in need has given to those Ukrainians that are displaced by war, having to flee the country and finding finding that they need help and support and the help and support that aid to the church in need has given. Uh, let me, little blurb, I, I remember watching just last weekend... Um, Uh, In Liverpool, the Eurovision event, and just sharing how much support the city of Liverpool has opened their arms and embraced all the refugees coming in from Ukraine. And Aid to the Church in Need is a part of that support. Can you tell us what's going on with that right now?
2: Well, uh, we have been working in a very direct way with the church leaders in Ukraine Again, we had the advantage, just as we did with Syria, of already having very, very strong relationships with church leaders um, across the spectrum in in the country in question. And all the more so in Ukraine, where, if you remember, Pope John Pope, St. John Paul II, spoke very clearly about the need for the church to breathe with both lungs and that was his way of expressing the need to support the church in the east as well as in the west and part of that was to help the church in ukraine to build up uh, really from the the ashes of persecution to renew its life of faith and that meant that we when this uh, terrible conflict broke out and when the invasion took place Uh, we were able to provide very practical support um, working with our church partners under the auspices of Major Archbishop Svartok Shevchuk. So that has been expressed in different ways with emergency assistance, tending to the needs of the displaced, as well as vital support for those caring for IDPs, mass stipends for priests, And vehicles to carry IDPs, internally displaced persons, and very much needed aid. So, um, you know, you're dealing with such a huge number here of people who've been um, moved, forced out of their homes, more than 6 million people. Think about it, 6 million people internally displaced um, and and 7,000 Non combatants killed, including more than 400 children. So, um, one sister uh, said to us, um, uh, You know, without your assistance, without your help, we just would not survive. It's a miracle that we've been able uh, to survive thus far. So, what that is, exp- how that is expressed, just to give one example, um, it is um, a, a soup kitchen, a soup kitchen that is uh, been uh, active uh, in in southeast Ukraine, um, in Zaporizhia, and uh, we've been able to provide that uh, soup kitchen, uh, which is so important there. we uh, just outside uh, the, the city there, and that that particular help has been provided for for those really who've left, been left with nothing, and who really need. Uh, that that who help. Um, so that's just one example um, with Brother Grezila who's been providing that help, and um, and then there's all sorts of support uh, through through the sisters in Hoshiv, um, who've <laughs> the phrase we have here is that, uh, they've been uh, the sisters have squeezed evacuees into every available corner of their convent. Oh. So, which is, you can imagine the the, uh, the enterprise and the ingenuity of these incredibly generous sisters um, who have taken, in this case, 76 IDPs uh, from the country's war-torn regions. Um, but the sisters would like to do more. Um, so, you know, this is just, just one example. And the sister there, uh, I don't know how you pronounce her name, but it's—it sounds like it's Zephyr Senior. She says, "Thank you for your willingness to help us. May the all merciful Lord take pity on us and on the whole world and avert a tragedy for all mankind." So you know, this is this is uh, all um, mediating through an act of charity, through an act of love, and through the ever-present desire for reconciliation in spite of all that they've been through Um, and so important is it to stress uh, what we can call masses of masses, aid to the church in need providing uh, masses uh, through the generosity of our benefactors. Uh, We understand that more than 130,000 masses have been offered in Ukraine for the attentions of A.C.N. benefactors it just shows what uh, the power of love of of christian love as expressed so beautifully in the mass and although we ourselves would not understand uh, any ukrainian uh, liturgy uh, we can understand nonetheless the sentiment and the the spirituality uh, that that um you know, crosses all forms of boundaries, especially spiritual ones. So, this is such a powerful way in which we can show our love for the people of Ukraine. So many of them, innocent victims, uh, caught in. Uh, a terrible, terrible situation. So those are just some examples. There's so much more that needs to be done. This is just a drop in the ocean, a well-targeted drop, I might argue, but nonetheless a drop in the ocean. And um, our benefactors, um, uh, led by the uh, Major Archbishop uh, Svantek, who I mentioned earlier, uh, he he's urgently seeking our help to continue this support because it's a long, long struggle, isn't it? The, the struggle in Ukraine. It's one thing to provide one help, but what makes the difference is to continue that support through thick and thin. Um, so that couldn't be uh, more important right now.
1: Amen, amen. All right my dear friend you're driving to work right now you've just dropped off the kids you're heading into the kitchen getting your second third cup of tea and you're listening into john and you're hearing him name person after person sister after sister as if he is friends with them and i want you to know john is john knows these people he had the aid of the church in need they are on the ground they are holding hands they are praying for these individuals and these places. When we think and hear the news, we hear it in these grandiose terms, Nigeria, Syria. But John has been sharing with us individual stories and individual ways that Aid to the Church in Need has been able to support, has been able to give a hand to to pray for these people, these individuals. And what I hear time and time again, John, is I hear that Aid to the Church in Need, because they were already there, because they'd already made friends become part of the communities, they were there when they were needed most in these times of emergency. So, John, tell my friend who is making her third cup of tea, tell my friend who is just stopping his car, getting out of the parking lot, ready to go to work, tell my friend how they can help here in this country support Aid the Church in Need.
2: Well, the thing is to remember our three watchwords prayer, information, and action. We often are tempted to think prayer makes no difference. It does. The premise of everything that we do at Aid to the Church Need is prayer. It's the foundation stone of all our endeavors. So please pray. And whenever I was in Pakistan a couple of months ago, and everywhere we went, the last thing that was said by our friends that we visited in the various towns and cities was, please remember to pray for us. And that is sincerely meant, sincerely felt. So please remember all those suffering, especially those suffering for their faith. Secondly, be informed. Take a look at our website, order uh, the great aid to the Church Need, Persecuted and Forgotten, which looks at where Christians are persecuted. It may not be easy reading necessarily, but it's vital reading because we share so deeply in uh, the the need to help those suffering for their faith, so be informed. And the final thing is, please support, uh, please support our um, our projects. Go and visit our website, acnuk.org. Whatever you can give is so much appreciated. We know the cost of life, uh, cost of living uh, crisis is still very much there, but equally we need. We need to to provide continuing help, especially to those regions that I've mentioned uh, in in Ukraine and Syria, uh, as well as Lebanon.
1: Thank you, John. Before I let you go, could you finish our program with a prayer this morning, please?
2: Um, well, as we, <laughs> You're the, as we are, you
1: thinking I've been talking enough, Helena? <laughs> well, one I've more been, prayer, John. One more prayer.
2: Well, I was thinking that to, that we are approaching. Uh, the feast of Pentecost, um, and itch, uh, the final chapter in the Easter in the Easter season, which so is upon us. So um, we perhaps should, especially at this time, invoke the Holy Spirit, uh, especially on those suffering for their faith, and let's join that intention uh, with those uh, that we place at the feet of Our Lady, as we say, Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, my women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, Praise pray Lord. for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, John, so much for joining us today. A, to the church in need, you can find out all the information and how you can support and how you can help us and, and people, or Christians around the world, by visiting ACN UK Dot org. Thank you, John, and God bless.
2: Thank you, Helena, lovely to be with you this morning.
0: This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programs. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programs like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.